this past week being uh, the week that it is and the celebration that it was, uh, it was either a, a bust or uh, a boom. I, I don't know where you were when it came to, uh, to Valentine's Day, but if you are in a relationship, it may have been the sweetest day of your life. If you were or not, then it may have been the loneliest, longest day of your life. So I don't know uh, where, where it landed for you, but hopefully you did well. I know that marketing world hopes that we did well. Uh, in fact, 192 million cards are sold uh, around uh, Valentine's Day. We, it's such a big, again, marketing thing that is out there telling us to love one another, to have a Valentine, to share love, to be mine, all that kind of stuff. And, uh, of course, that's a, a year-round thing, and we don't like to be told that. But it's one of those things that we need to understand what love is. Because I don't think what pop culture gives us, serves up, is necessarily the real stuff. Uh, what pop culture, what songs are sung, the movies that are played, the demonstrations that are, that are modeled for us in Hollywood, especially, and, and even in our own society, it's, it's a little short of what real love is if... If love's what makes the world go round, as we hear or hear sung, then, then let's, let's talk about what is it? What is love? Because real love, lasting love, does not originate in this world outside of Christ. Christ is the one who brings love and shows it for us. And so understanding that is extremely important. In fact, whenever he's designing love, what he did is he took it And he put it into a home. And he said, this is going to be the most intimate relationship out there. This is the most important relationship out there. This is huge. This is is a must. You've got to know this kind of love. And it's between a husband and a wife. And it's beautiful and it's sacred and it's exclusive. Now, everything the world will tell you is it's not exclusive. Play fast and loose. Love who you want to love. All those kinds of things make up a very distorted view of love. And I don't want us to go there. We've been in the 10 key moves for our life. As we've been talking about this in the the book of Exodus, in the 10 commandments uh, that that God has given us to, to lead our lives by, and he talks about, listen, taking care of your home. Your home is extremely important. And if you don't protect it, Satan's going to destroy it. And then throughout the rest of the Bible, it's what it talks about. In fact, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 4, it says it like this, Let marriage be held in honor among all. Holding marriage as an honorable something, something that God instituted, put into place. And then notice this, And let the marriage bed be undefiled. Let it be undefiled because God is going to take note of. It's that important. It's that important that we honor and preserve and protect and keep sacred and keep exclusive all the way through. Now, as we've been talking through these Ten Commandments, we've kind of got on this horizontal relationship track in this last section of the Ten Commandments. And we've talked about, a couple of weeks ago, Randy talked about how to honor your father and mother and the first commandment with a promise and what that looks like. Last week, we talked about murder and kind of got, it's kind of tense, kind kind of difficult to deal with and look at. But it's real. This week, the seventh commandment, Exodus chapter 20, verse 14, tells us you shall not commit adultery. It's what we're supposed to be about, not committing adultery, keeping marriage sacred to the very end. And I hope that that's something that you make a commitment to. Now, if we're going to talk about this, I thought in the preparation and thinking through this series, I thought 
it wouldn't be right, it wouldn't be complete for me to set up here all by myself and, and talk about this. Uh, 22 years into this baby, uh, in, into this gig here called marriage, and I thought, I want my wife up here, I want to share her to share me to share and to share what we how we look at how we deal with how we protect and preserve our marriage to keep it exclusive and sacred all the way through to the very end so i started asking this question of myself very basic question you ask it of yourself why won't you cheat why is it that i why wouldn't i cheat on her there's lots of options out there why wouldn't i do that so i have to think about that now you may mike that's a kind of a morbid thought I think it's valuable thought. In fact, we've taken a month and we've we've spent a lot of time thinking it through, processing it through, working it through. I would wake up in the middle of the night and think of an idea and go write it down on a pencil and paper because I'm archaic. I have pencil and paper. She's got iPad. I'm you know, cool. So she's cool. She's trendy. Yeah, so I didn't write mine down when I thought of it. I would be driving down the road and I'd voice record it on my phone. So. Yeah, so she's a little bit more advanced than I am. But, uh, but nonetheless, we started developing and writing and thinking through what are these reasons why. And so... This is for men, this is for women, this is for married, this is for unmarried, this is for the wannabe married, this is for someday marrieds to think about your life. Why wouldn't you cheat on your spouse? Now, these are mine. Now, this is totally unrehearsed, by the way. Uh, In fact, I didn't know her list until this week. Uh, And she didn't know my list until this week. And then last night when we were looking at the notes together, we thought, oh, wow, we needed to rehearse this, but we didn't. So you're getting it pretty raw. We had one go at it, one service, and uh, anyway. So ladies first. Well, it's hard to cram it all in. It is. It so, is. There's a lot there's to There's a it. lot to be said. Okay, so I get to go first. Yes. All right. So the first reason that I would not cheat on you is because I have set up guardrails around my heart and around my emotions. Listen, ladies, if you don't want to have an affair, it's not just your body that you have to protect. Your primary concern is your heart. Women don't go around bragging about about sex because sex is not the prize. The relationship is the prize. And because the relationship is the prize, and that's what we're drawn to, we can easily become emotionally engaged and allow our heart to begin begin taking detours in relationship that it should never go. And there's a four-letter word that entices a woman. Can we say that here? I can't. I'll spell it. Okay. T-A-L-K. What is it? Click. I I don't know. Okay. (laughs) What is it? Talk, all right? Talk. Listen, ladies. That wasn't the four-letter word I was thinking of, but go ahead, keep going. This is PG-13, That's true, that's true. All right, okay. Wow. Okay, so conversation is one of those things that, that ladies, your your words entice, and you are enticed by words. We have a friend um, that after he he had an affair, uh, we're having a conversation with him, and I asked him, I said, look, what, what was it that sparked it all? He said, you know what? It was a lady that I hadn't seen in a while. She came up to me, and all she said was, there's nothing I like more than a good-smelling man. And it just went from there. You sit in a counseling office with people, or you talk to a woman who's just had an affair, and this is what it's going to sound like. I never saw myself having an affair. We were just talking. And things went from there, and bit of bang, bit of boom. And so, ladies, we got to guard our conversations And there's a verse in James 3, it says this, it says, It only takes a spark to start a forest fire. The tongue is like a spark, and it has an evil power that can set a person's entire life on fire. Okay? 
So I'm going to be very careful in my conversation with guys. I'm not going to be saying to a guy, hey, you look good in those jeans. And I'm not going to entertain if a guy comes to me and says, hey, you know what? You seem to understand things a little bit more than my wife. You think we could get together and talk? No. Fireworks should not be going off with this man. Sirens should be going off with this man. And you should be running. Now, I'm not saying I'm never going to have a conversation with a guy. All the guys are thinking, well, I'm not talking to her. Okay? Mm-hmm. It, it's kind of like going to the Grand Canyon. And you go to the Grand Canyon, there are places where there are guardrails set up that are for your protection, for your safety, and you can enjoy the scenery. But there are other places at the Grand Canyon that you can go to and you can step right up on the edge if you're daring enough. You can sit and you can dangle your feet, but one misstep and it drops to death. You've got to guard your conversation. The second guardrail that you've got to have is an imagination guardrail. The thing about this one is it's invisible. Nobody sees it, so we think that we can handle it. We think it doesn't really matter. It's not. It's, it's harmless. But let me tell you, ladies, if you have had thoughts like this, I wonder if that guy thinks I'm attractive. I wonder if he knows that I think he's attractive. I wonder what it would be like to be his wife. If you start thinking about what you're going to wear when you go to that meeting or you go to that small group because that guy is going to be there, you need to put some imagination guardrails in your mind because you are rehearsing things that are, that are translating into your heart that ought not be there. It's like putting a piece of Velcro in the washing machine with a piece of fabric and you pull it apart. It ought not be that way. In Matthew 5, 27, it says, you know the next commandment pretty well. Don't go to bed with another spouse, but don't think that you've preserved your virtue simply by staying out of bed. Your heart can be corrupted by lust even quicker than your body. Those leering looks and thoughts you think nobody notices, they are also corrupt. Notice that she said, talked about putting up guardrails. She took an initiative. I have to take an initiative. My, my number one reason for not cheating on Lori is not going to be what she does for me. It's what I do for the relationship. And that is this statement. So guys, pay attention. I'm training my eyes and heart to focus my love and devotion on her alone. Her and her alone. I've got to train it because it's not natural. I don't know about you. I'm a guy. I'm a guy all the way through, and I love God's creation, all right? And I think God did his star-spangled work at the very end when he created Eve, all right? And from that point forward, it's just been beautiful work ever since. And so when I think of a woman, when I see a woman, if I'm not careful, I will allow myself. And listen, it can be as innocent as the family soccer match on Saturday when you all of a sudden you're there for your kids, but you're actually watching the other lady mother on the team and you're not watching the kids, or it could be that business deal that you got going down, or, or that person you do business with on a regular basis, and they're always looking good, smelling good. You're always seeing the best of them. And you go home, and what do you get? You get sweats, and you get makeup-less person, and, and, uh, and you get all of that, and you go, man, I got so much more eye candy back there. I, I want to go back to where... I see that. So, you know, business, Jim, you know, she's hot, she's sweaty, I'm hot, I'm sweaty and sticky. and Sweat attracts you? It's a guy thing. You know, I, I, I don't know. But, I mean, whatever it may be that draws you in, distracts you a little bit, gets you looking, and all of a sudden you're further in than you should. Church, 
I've heard of people dealing with this at church. Guys, you're going to have to train. You're going to have to discipline your eyes. There was a verse that I picked up when I was in college, a very, uh, very important time to be picking up these kind of verses, was in Job 31, verse 1. It said, guys, I want you to read this out loud with me. I made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully at a girl. Now, that's hard. That's an easy verse to memorize. you got it right there, Job 31.1. Can you do it? I made a covenant. I made a commitment. I'm training myself. I'm not going to let my eyes go where they ought not go. And listen, all my life I have been training, and I will continue to train. It never goes away. It never stops. You never memorize enough Bible verses, preach enough sermons. You never, it's going to be a constantly training. A book that every man needs to read is Every Man's Battle. All right? You just got to, got to, got to read it. And it's, it's good. It's practical. He gives two helpful hints in there on how you guys, how we guys can control this. One is starve the eyes. Listen. Don't go to the websites. Don't watch those kind of movies. Don't do what you... Listen, starve that appetite down to where it's not constantly rolling around in your head where you're constantly seeing the images and starve it, starve it, starve it so that all you see is the wife that God has given you, okay? And then the second one, sometimes you... It's unavoidable. You hit the inadvertently and get the wrong website. Inadvertently, not on purpose, accidentally, what kind of thing. But inadvertently go to the wrong website. And that is to bounce the eyes. You see somebody, I mean, beautiful again, creation of God. You see him. You've got to bounce the eyes. Get it away. Don't linger. Don't let it hang out there. Don't, don't stay there. Here's a verse for all of us guys. Notice this. Proverbs 5. Rejoice in the wife of your youth. Let her breast satisfy you always. May you always be captivated by her love. The English Standard Version says it, be intoxicated. Listen, guys, I'm giving you the permission to go get drunk, all right? To get drunk with love for the wife of your youth that God has given you. Absolutely fall in love with them. Be intoxicated by them. All right, so he said you're training your eyes, okay? My second one is this, is I'm training my thoughts to rehearse the good in you more than the bad. Well, uh, that's easy, isn't it? I know it's a shocker, but you annoy me. <laughs> I annoy you. I, there are t- okay, we'll talk later. Okay, Whoa. but no, stop. Yeah, exactly. You're pro- okay. You're proving my point. Okay. okay, stop. I only have three minutes to get this across. Yeah. When I started dating him, I mean, he's like this. Um, he's he's the, he's this shining coin. He's this treasure. Yeah, go ahead. He's this treasure. Yeah. And I mean, and he's, he's luring me in. I am attracted to him. I'm getting the best of Mike McDaniel. I'm getting the best of his times. I'm getting his affirmation. I'm getting his words. All he had to do was just reach out and touch my hand, and I break out in a sweat, which I don't think is attractive, but I could break out in a sweat, and my blood pressure would rise. And I mean, it was all good. And then we got married. And there's a flip side to that shiny coin. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't as shiny. It was a little crusty. Made noises. And made noises and had odors and messes and was annoying. And so but what can be ha- begin to happen? And men are kind of going, I don't, I don't understand this. Women know exactly what I'm talking about. Things begin to happen at home. Conversations happen. Incidences happen. Things that even go unspoken that, that you're just annoyed with and you're harboring it. And what begins to happen is we begin to replay those in our mind. And we replay the negative over the positive. 
You know what it is? You know what it's like when you have your favorite movie and you've watched it? Men don't understand this, but you watch it over and over and over again. That music comes on. It stirs this emotion. You can quote that line, right? When you rehearse the negative things in your marriage and about your husband, more than you rehearse the gift and the good that's there, it's writing this script in your mind so that when he comes home, he's walking in this play that isn't a good play that's going on in your head. Okay, this good, this the script that you've written that's been going on. When intimate moments come in, come, and women, you know how it is. All the stars have got to line up for you to be able to be there mentally, emotionally, and physically. It doesn't happen because we've been rehearsing the negative more than the positive. We do this. We deflate when we rehearse the negative. We deflate the potential in our marriage, and we begin looking around and overflating what it could be like and fantasizing what it could be with, like with that shiny coin over there. Because we start seeing those people and we see the good over there and we forget somehow that that shiny coin over there, it also has a flip side to it. And so we get on Facebook maybe perhaps and we begin comparing. Well, I wonder what it, I mean, look, I mean, her spouse did that for her for Valentine's Day. I mean, compared to what my spouse did and we start this comparison and we start this lusting, wondering what it could be like over there and rehearsing the negative things in our minds. Philippians 4.8 says, summing it all up, friends. I'd say you'll do best by filling your minds, meditating on things true, noble, reputable, authentic, compelling, gracious, the best, not the worst, the beautiful, not the ugly, things to praise, not things to curse. Ladies, you think of three things, positive things that you could tell your husband today. This is what I love about you. Notice this in, in, in these excuses or these reasons that we're not going to cheat. Notice that, that it, the burden is not on her to change. The burden is on me to be right in the relationship. And when I am right, then we can be right. And Did so you some, just say it's your job to be right? Yes, and, and I'm always right too. That's what it so, sounds like. Uh, so here's my second reason, guys. Pay attention to this because this may not be appealing to you ladies, uh, but it's very linear for guys and guys think in that, in that format. But it's really, it's just, it's just the truth. It's just the hard facts. For me, this is one of my reasons is that, that my 22-year relationship, 27 years including the dating, is an investment. In, is, is far more valuable than a one-nighter wannabe. That, that 10-second sensation. That I would, how short-sighted. I am to think that 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 that, da, that 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 beautiful relationship over there is going to trump this. Now, granted, if this isn't good, if I've been married for 12 or 20 or 25 or 30 years, and this isn't good, it's always easier to look over there. But I've got to see. I've got children. I've got a relationship. I've got time. And yes, we. If, if that was us, we did have that time when that spark was there. I've got to figure out how I can rekindle that and keep that there because that short-lived sensation is so painful when you actually have to pay for it. In fact, uh, even, even Moses realized this whenever he was hearing God and following God. And he said, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. Now, I will... I will admit to anybody that sin is a blast for a moment. The repercussions that go with it can last a lifetime. So be careful you're not trading the 
long-term or the short-term, or excuse me, the long-term for the short-term. So I've literally got 10 reasons and I probably could write 20 reasons why I, I, I'm not going to cheat on Lori. And I realize that even as I say that, I am one decision away from stupid. I, I, could do it not, I could do it today and it could be dangerous and detrimental. And these, this is what it's going to cost me, okay? One, it's going to cost me Lori. All right? It's going to cost her heart. It's going to cost her soul, her body. It's going to cost me. It's also going to cost me credibility with my children. And that, that's big. That's big. I, I've spent years trying to instill in them values and character. Gone, out the door, history. It's going to embarrass my children. It's one thing to embarrass me, but now I'm sending my wife to church and to the community, into this world, and, and the, the chatter and the talk behind her about, oh, yeah, her husband cheated on her. I shame God. It's big. I, I can't develop any of these really anymore other than let me just list them out for you. You lose, I lose my vocation. Listen, I'm one and done. I sell newspapers if I cheat, all right, because I'm on the front page of the paper, all right. I, I hurt you. You've given me a lot of trust to even be here today. I now hurt your and my relationship. I, I give an excuse to the families of Northwest Arkansas to cheat and to leave God in the church. I have to start my life all over, and that's no fun thinking I'm 40 plus. I don't want to start my life all over again. And the list goes on. I bring shame to my extended family. I also, my closest friends can no longer respect me. The third one that, um, that, that I have is probably going to raise some eyebrows a little bit, just the way that I'm going to say it. But I'm kind of saying it this way intentionally. The third reason that I will not cheat on you is because sex is fun with you. Now, I know that that's kind of like, whoa, you know, like kind of like, like too what personal. Is, whoa, TMI, TMI. <laughs> okay? But listen, wives, your husbands want you to think this, and I'll be very honest with you. I didn't always think that, okay? What? In the... <laughs> In the, in the beginning, just ignore it. In the, in the, in the beginning of our marriage, there, there, were, there were things, I didn't always think that, but it wasn't because of him. And it had everything to do with my confidence level sexually. I didn't say competence level. I knew what the parts were and how they functioned, okay? But a confidence level sexually, this is very difficult for women. I'm not a psychologist, but I will tell you this. Most women do not come into marriage sexually confident. They just don't. This is something that you grow into. But I do know this, and I think that this is going to resonate with most women in here. There are confidence killers, okay? You can probably make your own list if you really started thinking about it. I'm going to give you three that I think are very important. Here's number one that's a confidence killer. is a comparison voice. This is a very loud voice that's out there. It's, it's the voice that screams off that magazine cover when you're at the checkout counter. And you're thinking, I don't look like that. It's the voice of that poster hanging at the store that's selling that article of clothing. And you put it on, you're thinking, I don't look like that. It's the Super Bowl halftime show for crying out loud. And you're thinking, I don't do that. Okay? Mm. You, it, it's those voices. And so you start thinking, well, I want to I be tall and slender like her. I want to be shoot, short and cute like her and I want to be athletic and buff like her and I want to be proportionately perfect like her and I'm hearing all these things in the world is saying and it sounds to me like men are saying I like women who are like that and so then I look at myself and I think well I'm not like that and then I project it onto him and I think well he must not like this okay even though on the inside of me I'm craving for him to love me and want me and he may even verbally say it Lori I love you I'm attracted to you you're beautiful but internally, because of all the other loud voices, 
I create another voice and I dismiss it. Uh, he's, it probably doesn't really feel that way. That is a confidence killer. The second one is this, our past voices. Now, this can come in, in different dialects, okay? It may be the dialect that you grew up with, that sex wasn't talked about at home. Maybe it was shameful. Maybe it was secretive. Maybe it was, it was dirty. And so you bring that shame. You bring that guilt into your marriage. It may be a past voice. And, I'll, and you'd be surprised how many women have faced sexual abuse in their past. They bring those voices from that abuse into their intimate relationship in their marriage. It might be a, a voice of maybe a sexual relationship you had outside of marriage before you got married. That voice comes with you, and I'm telling you, it is, it is a chain that will chain you in your physical intimacy with your husband, but there is freedom. It needs to be talked about here. You, there, there's counseling. People are you know, glad to help you. There's freedom that can be found. And then the third voice is this. And, and these are all the names I think that women can give sex in vocabulary. Sex is a duty at the end of a long day, especially if you work, have preschoolers, whatever. We, we, we say we use sex as a manipulative tool to get what we want. Sex is a reward that we give for something that he did well. Sex is used that we use to feel loved. It's withheld if we don't feel loved. We withhold it for a punishment. Sex becomes a chore, a duty, a job, an obligation. It becomes a power tool. I heard it say like this, the person who says no the most in bed is the one that has the most power. All of these voices dissolve a woman's confidence. And, and because she's actually not confident sexually at home, she may actually look for that confidence in a relationship outside of the home. But I want to tell you this, when you start growing in these areas and confidence with your husband and with your wife, it, it is amazing mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually. There's a verse in Song of Solomon, chapter 1, verse 2 and 4. It says this, May he kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, for your love is better than wine. Draw me after you and let us run together. The king has brought me into his chamber. Ladies, wives, your husbands want a wife that is sexually confident. And you won't be feeling a void and going looking for it anywhere else. My third reason, and again, the list could go on, but this is what keeps me committed and faithful in our marriage is that you demonstrate a personal commitment to understanding and meeting my physical needs. Now, whenever you first get married, I don't know how it was for you, how it was for us, was this was one of the areas of a of, of, of tumultuous relationship. My expectations, her expectations, her thoughts, my thoughts. We weren't gelling, and it was really hard and uncomfortable to talk about. Again, it was just one of those things that, yeah, you just, you, you hear jokes about it, but you don't talk about it. It was an area of contention, not an area of connection. And over the course of the years, it's become an area of connection for us where we can talk about frequency, style, things like that, that absolutely add value to the relationship. And once we realize that, hey, I am here for you and you are here for me and how can I please you and how can you please me and we live for that aim, then all of a sudden now it becomes a beautiful thing instead of it's, what, what, what's in it for me? What's in it for me? And here's a verse that every marriage should have printed above their bed in their bedroom, if you will. 
Maybe not so the kids come in and see it, but, but maybe, maybe you, have, you, just, you just know that it's there, okay? Um, it's invisible ink or something. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, it says, The husband should fulfill the wife's sexual needs. The wife should fulfill the husband's needs. The wife gives authority over her body to the husband, and the husband gives authority over her body to the wife. Do not deprive each other sexual relations. That's big. It's huge. I can't remember how, how long we were into our marriage before I saw that verse and I thought, it needed to quit being about me and start being about her. And one of the things that you've done is you've said, okay, Mike, I am going to meet your needs. I am going to be there. You will not have to go to anyone else. I am there for you. Again, you get into the razzle and the dazzle of a marriage and the sparks are flying and that's all fun and exciting, that romantic love that's, that's there in the beginning, but then it fades. It fades on everyone. Psychologists say it'll last between 6 to 30 months. That's all. That razzle-dazzle romantic euphoria. And then all of a sudden it's grit. All of a sudden it's going to be, okay, how can I reignite that? And sometimes we allow our hearts and our minds to go in the wrong places. And so I've got to come back and I've got to figure out how to stoke that fire again. And the problem is, is that we get caught up on romantic love, but we miss marriage love. Marriage love should last a lifetime. You think, well, does that mean marriage love, you don't have the razzle-dazzle, you don't have the sparks flying? Absolutely not. In fact, you should. In fact, you should have so much more. This is where you're going deeper and longer in your relationship. This is where the conversations are not becoming contentions, but they're coming points of connection. And when, you, when that happens, and it's a beautiful thing, when you get that level of love, commitment, and a marriage. See, the romantic love is a sprint, but romantic, uh, marriage love is a marathon where you go the distance. You live 50 years happily married. 50 years fulfilling each other's needs and committed to fulfilling each other's needs. And I can tell you this, there's a lot of marriages don't make it. And a hyperbole, this is what Frank uh, Pittman said. He said, every marriage is a disappointment. Everyone who marries expects to be adored, pampered, served, or supported in style. They expect to live happily ever after. And when it doesn't happen, they're disappointed. They do whatever they do when they are disappointed. They pout, they cheat, they fight, they make life less wonderful. See, the model of love in this self-absorbed narcissistic society, it says, if your needs aren't being met, go find someone else. The reality is, it's not the question, are my needs being met? The question is, or am I, am I meeting your needs? And are you meeting my needs? She asked that question of herself. I asked the question, am I meeting your needs? I want to have a marriage love that goes the distance. Maybe you're here today and you've lost it. <laughs> really, you, you just lost that romance. That, that love is fizzled and flopped and gone out. And you're just coexisting, raising kids together, and who knows what's going to happen after that. Or maybe you've stepped over the line. You've gone too far. And now you're looking at it and you think, i got all these broken pieces. How am, where, am I gonna, where am I going to go from here? Well, see, that's the beauty of, of a relationship with God. Is he, do, he does want to restore the brokenness. He wants to restore the brokenness between you and Him. 
He wants to restore the brokenness between you and your spouse. He, all those brokenness, all those broken pieces between you and your children, He wants to restore that. God is into restoration. I want to pray for you now. I want to pray for all of us in this room right now because we're all very vulnerable from being very stupid in this world. And if we're not very careful, we'll be there. We'll be there. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, we pray for the homes, for the marriages, for the relationships that have been broken and shattered. Trust is not there. Romance is not there. And Father, you would bring restoration. Lord, in the relationship with you, it's just, it's, it's just not there. Every time we turn to you, God, we see guilt and shame. Lord, you bring restoration. Lord, I pray right now that you would do that in the hearts and the lives of these people. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me close with just saying this. I was pastoring my first church. I was 22 at best. I wouldn't even marry myself. My very first month that I was there, a person came up to me in the church. I was a leader in the church. He said he'd had an extramarital relationship. And the beautiful thing is, I'll just give you the short of it. The beautiful thing is, is after a year of extremely dicey and difficult circumstances, I stood in their front yard with their kids and family, and they renewed their wedding vows. They came back together again. God was to bring restoration to some of y'all in this room tonight. Stand and sing with us.